0: You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Terry Riley titled, Christ, Comfort, and Confidence. For more info, please visit www.creekside.org. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be with you. Thanks for joining with us, everybody online. We're thrilled uh, that you're here today. I-, I have to just say this up front I just love worshiping with our worship team. Uh, There's such a powerful presence. It's-, it's almost palatable, even in this almost empty room. And, and I trust that uh, you receive from that and enter into it as well on this morning. So we're thrilled that you're here, and uh, let's get started. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Man, it's hard to believe I was figuring it out this week. It's We're on day 40. You know, and, and, and a lot of Americans are still troubled. <laughs> now many of them are, uh, they're not just troubled, they're getting really kind of testy. There's protests going on all around in the United States and it's still unknown when the SIP is going to be raised and uh, some days it seems like it's improving and moving forward and other days not so much hard to believe probably. When I was in junior high, I worked on our school newspaper and the way they told us how to report, which is probably how most people actually do learn how to to do reporting, is they give you the W questions. That When you're doing an interview, when you're trying to find out a story, get to the bottom of a story, you ask the who, what, when, and why. Where and why. And I think a lot of people are doing that today, (laughs) trying to figure this whole thing out. Who's at fault? Well, what will be the new norm as we move out of the SIP? Uh, Where did this all start? When will we get back to a sense of normalcy? Or uh, probably the bigger question is, what's the new norm going to be? And why? Why, 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 why did this happen? Uh, we, we really don 't have many answers to those questions yet, obviously, and i don 't know that we really ever will until we get through them. But as we move forward through this season, I want to look at a passage of scripture uh, from second Corinthians, probably the first few chapters, and really just basically say, and never forget Christ is greater than any crisis." Christ is greater than any crisis. And it's so critical, so important that we never forget that. And that's what we lean into in this season. These opening chapters, the first five chapters, we're looking at the life of Paul, and he's really giving us insight into how he worked through some of the crisis times and difficult seasons of his life. We see words like confidence and competent and bold as being some of the main words that really kind of go 3D in these first few chapters of 2 Corinthians. And Paul shows us that uh, when a world is quaking, when lives are quaking, when there's kind of a, a difficult foundation Shaking when we're in the midst of uncertain times. Well, he's saying, you know what? We have to build our lives on something that is certain, and that's the person and the rock of Jesus Christ. Uh, so let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And because uh, in the next few weeks, I just want to focus on the who and what. How do we live in this season? Uh, it's so easy to continue to focus on where we've been. But ultimately, Jesus gives us a future and a hope. And that's what we want to begin to focus on. So let's pick it up at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at the very beginning. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to God's church at Corinth with all the saints who were three out Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he launches into this, and he starts with this bold, wonderful word, praise. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now, as you follow along, you're going to see there's going to be a word that's going to be repeated a number of times. To the God of all comfort, he comforts us in all of our affliction. So that we may may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction as well, through the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. For as the suffering of Christ overflows to us, so our comfort overflows through Christ. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort, Paul says, and for your salvation. If we are comforted, it's also for your comfort, which is experienced in the endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. We've been through the same thing. We've experienced the same thing. And all of these things, there's kind of this mutual going back and forth. And he says that our hope for you is firm. Regardless of what you're going through, church, our hope is firm for you. Because we know that as you share in the sufferings, you will also share in the comfort. Now, what a great thought! It's kind of like a, it's kind of like being on a, on a, uh, on a slide or something. You know, remember in school uh, when you had the slides that would go back and forth, up and down. He says, man, whenever you get, whenever you experience affliction, you're going to experience comfort to go along with it. Paul goes on to say, for we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of our affliction that took place in the province of Asia. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that, man, we even despaired life. Man, we feel like we had a death sentence. That's what some of your translations will say. You've never been there? Maybe some of you could even be there right now today, despaired and what's what's the use? When's this gonna end? What's going on? Uh, But then we come into these words of hope that Paul shares. However, but... We personally had a death sentence within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in the God who raises the dead. So it's almost probably like tongue in cheek. Paul's saying, we've got this God who's raised the dead. We can trust him. We can look to him no matter what we're facing because he has delivered us from such a terrible death and he will deliver us... Because we have placed our hope in him, and he will deliver us again. Man, what a statement of faith. He did it once, he's going to do it again. You might want to just write that down. He did it once, well, he's probably done it more than once. He's going to do it again. And you can join us in helping with prayer for us. So that thanks may be given by many on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers, through your prayers and the prayers of many. I love that. What does Paul do? Well, if you remember, uh, uh, Paul begins this intro and and the first word after he does the salutary and the the introduction of greetings, uh, the first word is praise. Praise be to God. Now praise is Uh, Paul is using this word in this text, I think, for a good reason. Uh, If you remember a couple weeks back, I had talked out of First Corinthians, and and I had said that you know Corinth, the city of Corinth, was known as just like a party town. It would be like perpetual spring break, and so we probably see that the church of Corinth had kind of this party atmosphere. It would have been a a frat, a, a spiritual frat party, in a lot of ways. And Paul has to write to these people, and he says, I need to correct things, and that's what 1 Corinthians uh, is all about. And he's bringing a lot of correction to them because of all the abuses and misuses of things going on in the church. Well, they weren't happy with that, so they challenged Paul. They questioned his apostolic authority. They questioned him as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I love this because Paul comes back, and he starts on the high road, and he says, praise be to our Father our father of mercies. Why why is Paul able to do that? Well, because he understands uh, the father of mercies. The father of mercies is basically, the idea behind mercy is us not getting what we deserve. Mercy has with it this great component and understanding of compassion that God brings to our lives. We don't deserve it, but he gets it. So Paul's experienced this through the life of Jesus Christ. And we see that the idea behind praise is just the activity of acknowledging and giving thanks to Jesus Christ for what he's done in our lives. Worship has to do with adoration for who he is. But praise is really the idea of being a thankful people. Let me tell you, there's two really important times for people to praise God. Uh, When you want to, that's a great time. God, thank you that you've provided. Thank you, Lord, that you've protected. uh, protected. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've given to us. But it's also a good time to do it uh, when you don't want to, when things aren't going so well, when maybe you don't feel like you've been provided for or taken care of in the ways that you want to. There's two great times. When you want to, and when you don't want to. And Paul, as we see, is going through a really difficult times. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start everything off that I do with praise. See, praise is, is never invisible or never silent. When you're in your life and you're going through difficult times, you're going through the good times, you always want to be looking for the tangible presence of God's work in your life. And when you see it, you begin to give praise for it. You begin to thank him for what he's doing. You take that time to give praise and to give thanks. And you express it to Jesus praises us, sustains our joy and blessing. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 61 said these powerful, wonderful words. He says, I want you to put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Though whenever there's this experience of heaviness going through you, here's what you can do. And I take off that cloak of heaviness and grab a garment and begin to praise and to speak out. Paul lives out this principle. I mean, if you read his letters, especially uh, the, the, the book of Philippians that we even opened the service with, it just bleeds out this praise and this joy that Paul exudes and he speaks. Because, see, we can can relive the blessings of God through our praise. We can relive an offense, too, can't we, as we talk about it day after day and what someone has done to us, the pain we've experienced, the difficulties that we've had. We can relive those. But we can also relive the joys and the gifts from yesterday today as we continue to praise our Lord for the good things that he's done to us. Uh, Praise begins where my sense of entitlement ends. Uh, That's really important. If you want to keep a high sense of praise, you have to keep a low sense of entitlement because you won't praise and you won't give thanks and you won't express thankfulness to the God that we serve if you believe that you're entitled to something or if you believe you've earned it or you've got, it's come your way because of what you've done. Truth is, we're really not entitled to anything. Think about it. You, you woke up this morning. Someone else didn't. You received a paycheck this month. Someone else is looking and hoping for a job or hoping that they're going to be able to make their house payment or their rent payment this month. Or maybe they're just waiting and hoping to have food. It's so easy to forget as Christ followers that God is miraculous and his overwhelming and sufficient grace is available to us and been bestowed upon us. We want to praise. We want to give thanks for that. And praise, as we praise and we give thanks, it can enlarge and create a blessing in almost any situation. But isn't the opposite true? Negative people can find and and enlarge and create difficulty and burden in almost any situation. Let, Let me ask you, who experiences the most joy in life? Who experiences the greatest abundance in life? See, your situation today, tomorrow, next week, it doesn't need to improve for you to learn and to grow in praise. Most of us are probably not at the brink of death. And Paul says, you know what? Regardless of where I've been, I'm going to praise and I'm going to give thanks to God who's blessed me. See, praise sees and it finds the best. It finds the potential in every situation. And you're going to make a decision which person you're going to be. I love what the uh, Irish poet and playwright Oscar Wilde said. said so well, some carry happiness wherever they go, others whenever they go. (laughs) And isn't that so true? I'm sure we've all been around people uh, just like that. See, if you want God's joy to flow through your life, build a healthy soul and build a healthy heart. Uh, Set yourself to be a person of praise and thankfulness. And find those things in your life that you can be thankful for. Uh, This last week, I was corresponding with a good friend of mine, and they were just having some inward stuff kind of going on in their life because of the ongoingness of what we're all facing. And I simply encouraged him in a couple of areas, but one of the very practical things I said to do is, do you do this, or or maybe if you don't, uh, pick it up and start doing it. Every day, get up and start a gratitude journal where every day you find one thing to start your day with to say, this is what I'm going to praise Jesus for. This is what I'm going to be thankful for today. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be long. It's just something that begins to kind of have a gravitational pull on your life and your thinking and your praise and your expressions of thankfulness to God throughout the day. It could simply be that uh, for, for a couple of days, all I said was, God, I just want to give praise and thanks today for the warmth of this sun. I love it. And then through the day, I'd look outside and I'd just go, God, thanks. Another day. It was a couple weeks ago when it was raining. I was kind of, oh man, I don't want rain. But then, oh no, I can be thankful for this because with the fire season coming, we need it. With the reservoirs low, we need it. And we begin to just simply thank God for that. Maybe the uh, the case count, the death count, just going down. I read the paper and look at that every day. God, thank you today that we can celebrate and rejoice and give you thanks. Maybe we're peaking. Maybe we're flattening the curve. Today, just a very simple one. I just said, Lord, I want to thank you today. This is going to be my gratitude thought for the day. I'm going to drag this through the day. Lord, thanks that states are talking about opening up because that will help build our economy, restart our economy. And so, Lord, thanks for that today. That's my thought for the day. It's what I journaled. And I encourage you, if you're if you're going through some of these difficult times, that you would take time to do that. Well, Paul moves from praise and he begins to talk about God's comfort. This is such a powerful and precious part of this passage in, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, He is the God of all comfort. Not some comfort, not a little bit here, not some there, but he's the God of all comfort. Are you a little bit uncomfortable at this time? I mean, think about it. I mean, are you a little, just a little uncomfortable? You feeling kind of locked down? Uh, Maybe you're tied up in knots. Maybe you're worried. You're still unsure. And it just kind of sets you off because you don't have control. I know that a lot of extroverts that are friends of mine, and I talk to them, and they say things like, oh, man, I feel like my life is just draining one ounce at a time out of me. I can't be with people. I can't connect. I can't touch. I can't be with well God comes to bring us God comes to bring us great comfort and isn't it good to know that there's people around us that through God also want to bring us comfort I got this, I got this note uh, text from somebody uh, just a couple of weeks ago uh, this is what they said hello PT and Trina just sending you our love and prayers that you're healthy inspired and feeling uplifted and cherished I mean just right there I felt good Today's the last Sunday day until Tuesday, so we hope that you're enjoying your vitamin D. Oh, by the way, we have a funny story. Our daughter was making cookies last night, and I told her that she should make some for you two. She said, no way. If there is any trace of of the coronavirus in our home, I would give it to them, and I'll forever be known as the girl that killed PT. I love that. Uh, Someone's thinking about me. Someone's concerned for me. And uh, she said, I'm not taking any chances. And she made him for somebody else. So I don't know what that says about them, but uh, we'll we'll move on. But comfort here, this word comfort means exhortation, encouragement, cheer. Paul uses this word nine times just in four verses, three through seven. I got to tell you, I'm really thankful I'm thankful for my family that's with me, the people that are around me and the stimulus help that we'll receive. But I'm convinced there's no person, there's no profession, there's no possession, there's no amount of money, there's no place you can go. There's nothing you can do that will bring comfort like God. So Paul is here and he's cheering them on. He's giving them comfort. And he said, God's going to bring comfort to your life. I don't know about you, but I'm convinced from my own life, I've experienced this. Jesus always makes things better. He makes the good times better. He makes the fun times funner. He makes the hard times better. He makes times like we're in right now, better, more livable because he brings his comfort. You know, we've all got, we got shelter in place. We, we, have trouble and difficulty. And maybe you have other things that are compounded by this time. Uh, but here's the truth. Paul says, Jesus makes him better. He's the one that brings comfort. So if he's bringing us this comfort and we're engaging in it and we're receiving it and we're walking in it, why does he do that? Why does God bring this comfort to us? Well, Paul says it. It's really for one purpose, not only to come for us, but so that we can comfort others with the comfort that he gives us. Wow. See, when we come to Jesus, when we give our lives and we decide and we determine to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. It's so interesting that our lives are now lived out for other people. Because see, that's what Jesus did for us. Jesus, when he came, he said, I I didn't come here to be served. I come here to serve others. And now Paul is saying the same thing. And he's saying, uh, the comfort that you're receiving is for really one purpose, and that's to share. With others, It's in these times that we receive this call. Our purpose is to reach out to our world, to cheer on the world, to bring comfort to our world that we're receiving. So in these times, we receive this comfort. And instead of spreading a virus of fear or worry, uh, we're called to bring comfort to the people around us in his name. I love that. See, God's comfort, it's kind of like for us, for you and me. It's like this hound of heaven tracking down your suffering. And wherever they're suffering, he says, I'm going to bring an equal amount or more of comfort that's going to overflow out of my life for this purpose, that you can do it for others. I read um, about this Chinese, uh, they use two brush strokes to write the word crisis. One brush stroke stands for danger. The other brushstroke stands for opportunity in a crisis. Uh, Listen, friends, we all, we got to be aware of that. We're aware of the danger. We read about it every day, but we also have to recognize the opportunity that we don't run and hide, but that we share the comfort that God is blessing us with. God knew we'd have troubles. God knew we'd have trials. God knew we'd have tests. God knew we'd have temptation. And he knew that there'd be a lot of other troublesome teas that we would face in our life. But he also reminds us in Ephesians 2, he says that God has prepared good works for us a long time ago that we would walk in. God has put you, God's put me, God's put us strategically wherever we are. To do for others whatever God has done for us. See, we see and we live within the context of the reality of the crisis. But we also want to make sure that loved ones that we never miss the opportunities that God's going to give us to bring others to God that we bring comfort that we've been comforted with that because we've been served by God we serve others because we've been given hope by God we transmit we infuse that hope to other people that we receive healing because we've received healing we give healing to others because we've been given to we have a wonderful capacity to be able to give to others because we been forgiven we forgive that's our calling i just want to ask you are you ready to do that are you ready to hang a sign on your on the door of your life and just say open for business well there's also a purpose to trust god not ourselves we like paul we come armed with the truth and we want to live in the truth we want to be honest with what's going on. There's probably nothing worse than people with a silly Pollyanna attitude that don't really understand the veracity of what's taking place. And they act like it's no big deal. But we may not have the answers, but we know who does. And we want to make sure that whatever we're doing in faith, we're also based, our faith is based in reality. Notice how Paul does that. He says, we want to thank you. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. We're crushed. We were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. (laughs) That, That doesn't sound real helpful or like a lot of comfort, does it? But Paul says during these bad times man, our tents were folding up. We were getting ready to check out. We thought it was all over. We were going to cash it in because he was attacked. He was persecuted. He was beaten on some of these missionary journeys that he was involved in. Isn't it interesting? Life never allows anybody to audit suffering. If you live, you're going to suffer at some point. But God says, you know something? Paul says, you can experience God's comfort. God was at work in his situations. He's at work in ours. And so he, what does he reveal to Paul? He says something very powerful. Paul says, but. One of the things I often say at Greek studies, thank God for all the buts in the Bible. And here's another one, But. As a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. And he says, he will rescue you again and he'll rescue us again. Why? Because we placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Wow. Talk about a cheerleader. Talk about cheering us on in this day. What did Paul learn here? He said, you know something, i gotta stop, I got to stop relying on me. i got to stop relying on myself. Here's the truth, friends, is that whatever you're relying on, that's only as strong as you'll be. If you're relying on yourself, and I know there's a lot of strong people out there, but you only have so much. But when you rely on God, I'm telling you, the the resources are insurmountable. They're ongoing and they're continuous. Paul said it well. If Jesus can raise the dead, he can protect us from the danger and from the troubles. Oh, and even if we die, well, we get to go to heaven and be with him. You know what he's really saying? Bottom line is God's got this. And today, as we move into this study, I want you to remember, not only is God here to comfort you, but God is here to let you know, I've got this. And maybe this is a time where you get to begin to rely just a little bit more on me, where you get to put your trust in me. See, we all love the good times, man. I do too. I'm not really a big fan of what's going on in any way, shape, or form. I got to tell you, I don't really like trials and tribulations, but I also understand this, that when I look back, those have been where I've learned the greatest lessons in my spiritual life and personal life and who Terry is. Because, see, when you go through the hard times, the heated times, the difficult times, you really find out what's inside of you. I, I found this tea bag at home. It didn't have a... It didn't have a cover on it, and, and it just got this little cool bag. and it doesn't say what, I don't know what kind of tea this is. How do I find out? Well, if I dip it in a cup of hot water and taste it, guess what? I'll soon find out. And see, that's kind of how our lives are, loved ones, that when we, that when we face the heat, when we face the difficult times, we find out, do we really rely on ourselves, or do we rely on the person of Jesus Christ, and Paul moves on, and we'll finish here today. But he talks about a promise and a hope that all of us can have. First Corinthians, 2 uh, Corinthians, chapter one, verses twenty and twenty-one. Paul says this for all the promises of God. There's over three thousand promises in the Bible, and this is what he says: all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. This is why it is thought, that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God, which means yes, because we do it for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ Jesus. See, that's our strength. That's where we end up. The promises of God, they're not just simply ink on paper, loved ones. They're found in the person of Jesus Christ. Am I saying the future is easy? Absolutely not. A bit uncertain. We know that it is. But here's what I want you to know today is that we have a Father who is caring for you, who will care for you on the first day of this. He will care for you today on the 40th day. And if this goes to 80 days, He will bring His comfort and His care to you. Trust in Him. Rely upon Him. Today we're going home and... Uh, Today will be the first day that our kids and our grandkids will be coming over since the uh, SIP started. Um, It's also set up, we think, probably going to happen, that our oldest grandson, who's 10, Isaac, will be spending the night with us, which probably happened uh, for a lot of those years, almost every weekend where he would spend the night. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, you'll understand this. This is one of those things that you look back on. If you don't get it now, you miss it. But uh, we've been missing this now for 40 days. But Isaac, he's going to come. And what he oftentimes would do, he has a little cot next to our bed. And while he's, he, he would sleep down there. And a lot of times what he would do is he would jump up on our bed and he'd kind of, he's kind of this wide-bodied kid, and he would come up and he would squeeze in between us. Why? He just wanted the comfort of Nana and Papa. It was a few years ago that I remember he came in one night, he got up from his cot and he wasn't feeling well. And he just said, can I, can I come up and be with you? And this was in the middle of the night. He jumped in between us and uh, sometimes Isaac could sleep kind of like a thrasher and he was hot and he was moving around a lot. And so I thought, you know, the best thing to do here is to kick Trina out of bed and, um, you know, give me some room because I, it was on a Saturday night when he usually stays and I had to preach the next morning. So I need to get my rest. And so I kicked her out and not really. I I didn't do that. Actually, because of who Trina is, she said, you know, I'm just going to go down on his cot. And I'm going to go to sleep down there and give him room. And so I just kind of scooted him over and he could spread out. And in the heat and the fever of everything going on, he could sleep well. Next morning, I had to get up early as I do on Sunday. And uh, while I was getting ready, he woke up. He looks at me and he goes, where's Nana? And I said, she's down there on your bed. And he goes, why Why, why did why didn't Nana go down there and sleep? And I said, well, Isaac, it's because you were sick and moving around a lot. And she just wanted to give you room to sleep and be able to have a good night's sleep to get over whatever it is you're feeling. I thought, man, I look at this passage that I think it illustrates so well what I believe about Jesus. And what he's done for me and what he's done for humanity, what did he do? He climbed down out of the glories and the grandeur and the goodness of heaven. Because he knew I was sick. He he knew I needed comfort. He knew that I needed to be taken care of. He knew that I needed to change and, and to get well. So what does he do? He comes to this earth because of his great love for me and for you. And he gives us comfort. He gives us salvation. He gives us a relationship with his father, who he says is the God of all comfort. And today, friends, I want to remind you of that. Yeah, we're going through this. We're going to move forward. But never forget, Jesus came. He stepped out of heaven All the stuff of this earth that we love and want to keep. We clamor for it. We save for it. But Jesus came in the midst of all of this to say, I love you. I'm going to give my life for you so that you can experience the comfort of my Father. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you've never made a personal decision to follow Jesus. That's really what it's about. It's not a religion, but it's, it's a relationship where you make a decision to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And I want to experience the truth and the reality of what we're doing. But I want to experience the truth and the reality of who you are, what you've done for us. So today we're going to pray, and I want to pray for people's comfort. I want to pray for people's trust and reliance on Jesus. But if you've never stepped over the line of faith, today I want to pray for you. So, Father, we come in Jesus' name. Thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that we can give our lives to you, that we simply confess that we're a sinner and we have a need of you because we're, we're just kind of sick. Oh, it doesn't look like it because a lot of us look so together. We have so many resources, but Lord, uh, we still need you. And that's the reality of our reality. Thank you that you would have stepped out of heaven to save us and to reach us. So today, Lord, is anybody here that you've never made that step of faith? I invite you to do that. Lord, thank you that you've received us and now bring cover to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.